0: Three conspiracy theorists walk into a bar. Now, you can't tell me that's just a coincidence. This is Across the Table, the podcast of Hannibal the Magician. Hi there, it's Hannibal, welcome back. Thanks for downloading or streaming or however it is you're listening to the sound of my voice I really appreciate you, I'm glad you're there and I'm glad you're still listening The theme of today is going to be gratitude and the idea that you don't really know who you're reaching While you're doing the things that you do It is episode 38, I think I've got this right uh, the date that this is going to go live is going to be September the 25th. It's currently the Sunday before that. Um, again, I'm really glad you're listening. I, I struggle sometimes because I make the mistake of looking at numbers. And I look to see how many people are actually listening. And some weeks, that's a very small number. And some weeks, it, it peaks at around 70, 75 people who actually listen to a podcast uh, on any given uh, outing, on any, any given podcast that I put up. And the thing I have to remember is that if it's only one, it's enough. I, if I'm reaching only one person, if the things that I say have interest for only one person, that really has to be enough. That has to be... I have to be satisfied with that. Because I'm, I'm doing this for the, the sheer act of saying what's on my mind and and the possibly ego-driven idea that the words that come out of my mouth could be of some benefit to someone. A good friend of mine, uh, I called him up on his birthday this past week, and one of the things he said during our conversation was how much he looked forward to hearing these things and how even in his troubled times and the things that are going on in his life, He will put on the sound of my voice and and either the words that I say or even the way that I say them sometimes is soothing and comforting. And really, what more could you ask for, right? Sure, maybe I could make you laugh. Maybe I could go for more comedy on something like this. Or maybe I could do interviews and get more in-depth with magicians and magic and what they think. But for right now... What seems to drive me to do this is, is sheer fact of There are people who are interested in things That go on in my life And uh, gain some hope from them So thanks for listening And uh, Whatever comes out I hope it has a positive and uplifting in- experience for you uh, Subscribe I could really use the subscription uh, Pass it around to friends If you enjoy it or you have someone that it might benefit um, I'd love that uh, I don't really have sponsors. I have people that care about me, and, and, and certain businesses that are certainly supporting me. Shin Ramen in Hollywood, uh, the corner of La Brea and Hollywood, my favorite restaurant, um, has fully supported me and, and backed me and been a positive influence in what I do. So, I would highly recommend you dine there simply because the food is awesome. And Hannibal, <laughs> you might run into me there if you're uh, if you're lucky? Question mark. I don't know. It has been a full and fulfilling day. Um, the one thing I'll relate to you that that just happened not an hour or so ago, I worked a, uh, a private party. I, I was hired to do a, a very special uh, set of close-up magic for some very special VIP people um, for someone who I, I, I respect quite a bit. And um, without being able to go into more detail than that, it meant a lot. The the opportunity that I was given, the room that I was put into, and the people that I was put in front of, uh, I was given a lot of trust uh, for my art, the way that I say things, as well as the way that I do them. So I wanted to make a very good impression, and I, I wrote some original material, and I've been practicing it for the past couple of weeks since I actually got the job. And I thought at the time it would be a great idea if I presented the, the act itself to strangers, to a group of people that I didn't know before I, I put it in front of the VIP people. So I went to the Magic Castle and I booked time in, uh, in one of the rooms and uh, got an audience and, and presented the material that I've written. And everything went wrong. Uh, everything went wrong. The, the things that I said, the 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 edge that I got out to, the the slights, the the magic itself, uh, it didn't go the way that I had rehearsed it. And I uh, I it frightened me. It 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 let the audience that I was in front of down, uh, in a, in a pretty big way. They you know they were um, they were still appreciative, and and it, I brought it to a, a successful conclusion. I didn't just leave it. Hanging out there, I was able to get back onto a track and and finish it up in a a satisfying way for the people that I was trying to entertain. But as soon as they had left the room, I was going over my notes in my head and Am I really, you know, did the the things that I wrote were they really funny? And and what happens if I'm in front of this very important group of people? And this same thing goes wrong. Um, Nothing with the props. Nothing with because it's just it was standard deck of cards and. You know, a couple of dollar bills and and things. Some of the things that I've done a hundred times, a thousand times before, um, and and everything just didn't go well, and I was left with the, you know, what do I do? Do I fall back on the things that I know will work, on the standard things that I've done tens of thousands of times, the the same old material that gets seen all the time, and I'm not I'm not dissing my own material because it is sound and it's good but I had challenged myself to rise above that for different reasons and for these particular special shows so I looked at it and I thought about myself and I thought about what's important to me and and the, the practice that I've put in and whether or not I actually have faith in myself and, and do I have faith in my own hands and my own ability to Um, the lessons that I just learned in a screwed up show and do I dare take it out and of course my answer is yes of course I'm going to take it out I'm going to press forward with the material I'm going to present the material that I wrote for them because it is good and it is quality and I do believe in the material that I wrote and I believe in myself to be able to carry it off in an entertaining way everyone has bad shows Everyone has bad days. Everyone has bad moments. But, but that's the thing. They are bad moments. They're not bad lives. I knew my capability. I had faith in the gift that was put into my hands. And so, less than 15, 20 minutes after I had presented the, the horrifyingly bad show, I presented the same material to this group of six very important people. And I killed. It, the material slayed. The jokes landed. Um, the magic happened. Uh, at one point, several of them jumped up out of their chairs. And at the end, with the bookends, with the elf boots, they were they were at the right point of misty-eyed nostalgia. It was exactly the way I played it out. And I represented myself well. And I represented the person that hired me well, and I could be very, very proud of the work. Now, if you know me at all, if we are friends, if we have spent any quality time together, you understand how difficult getting those words out of my mouth can be. I'm proud of my work. It's taken me a very long time to be actually able to say that and to mean it. The work that I do is good. The, the art that I create is good. There's been, this week, uh, this past week, in, in looking at social media, there's been a lot of vitriol, there's been a lot of anger and hatred being boiled over for several different subjects that I'm not going to get into here, because one, I don't have the right to bring up certain things, I don't have the experience to bring up certain experiences, and I cannot represent well the point of view of the people that I would be trying to. All I can do is be supportive, uh, be an ally, and stand between the people that I care about and danger. I do not need to open my mouth, because anything that I say can be used against the people that I am trying to protect. I'm sorry to be vague, but that's, that's pretty much where I'm going to leave it. But if you know me at all, you know how difficult it is for me to say that I'm proud of my work. It's, it's. I've, I've been told that it was ego-driven and that it was uh, narcissistic and I shouldn't do it. But here's the thing. I am good at what I do, and I am able to put those things forth. The work that I do is art. And, and the point that I was trying to get to about the social media is that there have been several times a certain graphic has been put up where someone... Says doctors are important and lawyers are important and plumbers are important but entertainers are not important I've seen it several times and yes doctors are vital yes uh, plumbers and grocers and farmers and people that do the manual labor and people that specialize in certain things yes they're very important so are janitors so are are. People that, that paint fences. I mean, I could go on and on about everything, but to to do the job you're put that's put in front of you with passion and with with uh, putting importance in what you do is is good for one's soul. And it and it without them we would collapse. My friends, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> my friends, uh, the angels. In the uh, who, who appear at several Renaissance festivals around the country, have a song um, praising the people that do the jobs that nobody else wants to do—the people that clean out the porta potties, um, the people that that run the bars. You know, it's in praise of people who don't normally get uh, praises, although the jobs they do are vital. As an entertainer, as a person who makes his living entertaining other people. I realize that I am at the crux of a complete contradiction. And as Walt Whitman was famous for saying, yes, I'm a contradiction, so be it. I am human, and humans are contradictions. What I do in the big picture means nothing. I do card tricks. I make people laugh. I tell uh, jokes. And I fool people with the gift that was put into my hand. And in the large picture of things, it doesn't mean anything. But in the large picture of things, it means absolutely everything. I take the stress away from people. I I, I present them with happiness. I present them with joy. I, I approach what I do and the people that I do it for with kindness and with love. And that's everything. So sure. Big contradiction. What I do is everything and it is nothing. You would not want to live in a world without entertainers, without people who brought to you farce and drama and comedy and music. Where would your life be without music in it? So I'm sorry. For my friends who feel that what I do is lesser, I'm not going to let it deter me, and I'm not. I'm also not going to let it make me angry, because they're simply they don't understand. Whatever it is that you do, whatever it is you have decided that your hands are going to do, it's important. And maybe you're just doing the job right now that you're doing because you're waiting for. You're waiting for your real life to begin. You're waiting to discover what your own talent is. You're waiting to better yourself in a way. You're, you're, you don't have the faith yet to live only on your art or fear is holding you back. And so you you're a cashier or you stock shelves. Whatever it is you're doing at this moment, do it with joy. Do it with enthusiasm. Do it as if it is the most vital, important job on the planet. Because, you know, it actually is. It actually is. Sure, anybody could be paid to do certain things. And there are machines that can be trained and are being made to replace people in jobs. But at this moment, the thing that you're putting your hands on the thing that you are you are doing to make your living is vital and it is important. So be proud of your work there. Certainly, strive for better. Strive for doing what your heart wants to do. Strive for doing what you love to do. And let me tell you, the the old saying that if you do, uh, this isn't my um, this isn't my idea. These aren't exactly my words. I'm paraphrasing here from something that I read earlier this week and I did not write it down, I apologize. But for those people that say do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, that's, that's false. I do what I love and I work harder than I've ever worked at any other thing, any time. I put in 60, 80 hours a week doing what I love to do and all the things that have to be done to lead up to doing the fun part. I'm a magician and my role is important And I touch souls and I touch people And I make people happy At the very least I give them a little amazement, a little laughter For a little bit of time And in that little bit of time They're not afraid of anything They're not worried about their bills They're not worried about So much their health Or the things that might Possibly happen in the future For the few moments We are one and we are together And we are sharing laughter And you can't tell me that's not important. Love what I do. I love the people that I do it for. And I am finally, after years of being belittled, quite frankly, for some of the things that I do, I am finally able to say with a straight face and with a calm heart that I am proud of me. And I'm proud of what I do. I saw this weekend... um, There is a comedy special on Netflix right now, Daniel Sloss, uh, two live shows that he put out, uh, each a year apart. Uh, the first one is called Dark and it deals with, uh, death and sorrow and loss and comedy and inserting laughter into tense situations. And it's beautifully written and, and, expertly executed and, and I highly recommend it, um, all of us experience loss. All of us experience death. All of us experience very, very serious things. And his perspective on that and laughter um, moved me to watch the second special. And oh boy, did I learn a few things! Sometimes you think you know it all. Sometimes you think you've been through the the hell that you've been through, and 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 you feel like you you're an expert on the subject. And someone comes along and points out a, a simple. Analogy to uh, what your heart's already been telling you And things just become crystal clear This was the case for me With Daniel Sloss Daniel Sloss is this? With the comedic stylings of Daniel Sloss And his show Jigsaw And Jigsaw, I'm not going to spoil it You really should watch it But But part of the concept is What is really important to you What do you build your life around do you build your life around who you are, loving yourself, discovering your gift and, and and what you love about it and what it means to you and crafting your life around that? Or do you craft your life around someone else? Trying to impress someone, trying to keep someone, trying to make someone love you. I'm going be the first to tell you that I spend a great deal of my time on the stage and behind this microphone and across the table from people trying to get them to like me. Um, The the show that I've created, uh, crafted in my hands, is designed so people will like me a little bit better, like magic a little bit better, like themselves a little bit better. Sure, that's an absolute fact. But I do what I do because I have to. I, once I discovered this vehicle And I discovered that that's how I put my music through things That's how I told my stories Through through magic and sleight of hand And card tricks and all the things that I do I realized how vital it was And I realized how important I was I get letters Man, I get letters every week Two, three, or four at a time It's not a deluge It's not a you know super fame kind of a thing But I will get a letter Or, or a text or a message telling me that something I said made a difference in their life. That a card trick that I did changed their perspective on what they were doing. Sting, in one of his songs, says, men go crazy in congregations and they only get better one by one. I have met men and women who, one at the time, I have affected their lives positively and they have made good positive changes in their lives because of something i said or did how much more can you ask of of your job of your career of the way you interact with people of the way you spread kindness and love or whatever it is you're directed to spread and i pay my bills and yeah i'm behind i'm so behind and, I, and i'm falling behind more every day but i have enough it seems to to live to feed myself, to keep a roof over my head, and to to try desperately to catch up on the things that, uh, on the monetary things that I need to catch up on. I have faith that it will eventually come around. I'm putting my faith in the ability that I have and and the work and the sweat equity that I'm putting into it. So that's that. I uh, I can finally say that I'm proud of who I am and what I do, and that the work that I do is good, even though, in the big picture, it means nothing. Last time I put out a podcast, I requested that people send me um, questions, uh, challenges, philosophical, theoretical, real life, whatever. Um, I had exactly one return on that. I'm going to put that plea out there again. Ask me questions. Find out about my life, find out about the things that are important to me Ask me about politics, ask me about philosophy I would love to go off on those subjects But I want i want the direction of what is it you want to know specifically And you're the audience I'm here listening for you as well as you're listening to me The one that I got returned, the one that, uh, that came back to me The question that I got asked was from my friend Donna Oliver uh, She writes, hi Hannibal and I just this moment noticed that she left one N out and added an L to the end. So, that's okay. My name has been misspelled in much worse ways. <laughs> I always find it cute. I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not dissing you, Donna. It just, that's just, I didn't notice it before. I glossed over it. And I went, oh. oh, it just Just now. I looked at it and went, Whoop well, that, that, that ain't it. But that's okay. I still know who you're talking about. Anyway, sorry, tangent unexpectedly. Donna writes Hi, Hannibal. I look forward to your podcast. Thank you. I would love a detailed show primer on the Magic Castle history, who started it and why, who can be a member, how can the public go in and see a show describe how a magician gets invited in? Excellent. Wonderful questions. I will give you as detailed as I can. Some things are not for me to reveal. Um, because there are some secrets involved with the Magic Castle, uh, as one would expect. But, uh, the Magic Castle itself is 55 years old. It was founded in 1963 from an existing property. Um, I'm going to, I took notes and I'm going to read from those notes to, uh, to make this accurate as possible. Um... There was uh, there was a family, the Larson family, and one of them or a couple of them worked on Hollywood Boulevard, and they had a view of this uh, fun mansion, fun little uh, mansion on the uh, on the crest of a hill that is at the top of Orange and Highland Avenue. I'm sorry, Franklin Avenue, Orange and Franklin. Uh, Milt Larson uh, at the time was writing for Bob Barker's show The Truth or Consequences um, he was up at the top of a high rise which was down on Hollywood Boulevard and he over, from what he could see looked up into the Hollywood Hills and there was a big mansion that was left over from like the, the turn of the 20th century I believe And my notes say that it was 1908 uh, by a banker called Lane and then sold to other land developers and um, Milt Marson was fascinated by this building and daydreamed about the idea of turning it into a clubhouse for magicians. Milt loved magic, was a magician himself, uh, loved visiting and watching other magicians, and he wanted to have a central place in Los Angeles, in Hollywood specifically, uh, where magicians from all over the world could come, uh, hang out, perform, teach each other, learn from each other, and, and basically be a private club exclusively for magicians like me. Um, he went and met with the owner and convinced the guy that the idea had a lot of merit. Uh, he was a carpenter. He was a, a woodworker, Milt was. And he took this run-down old mansion and, with a partner called Don Gottschall, started working on the, the physical aspect in the building that is right now the Magic Castle. Um, He was building this clubhouse, and at the time, uh, there was no club. So he went to his brother Bill, Bill Larson, and they together uh, formed the Academy of Magical Arts. At the time, uh, Bill, Bill Jr., Bill Larson Jr., was the full-time producer for CBS Television working on um, big shows in the network and publishing a magazine for Magician called Genie. Uh, side note, your your narrator, your podcaster dude Hannibal the Magician was on the cover of the June 2016 issue of Genie Magazine. Um, that's, that's huge. That's one of the milestones of my life and a 13-page a story about my life and about my philosophy and the things that I believe in. Holy cow. Who am I? I'm Hannibal. That's who I am. Anyway, um, they invited all the, subscri- the subscribers of Genie to be the members, and that's how the Academy of Magical Arts was formed. Um, the castle first opened its doors in January of 1963, and it is now known as the Homeland the, uh, the mecca if you will for magicians all over the world the, uh, the membership is huge um, because literally they do come from all the parts of the globe and we are all proud to be a part of the Ma- the Academy of Magical Arts and our clubhouse the Magic Castle that's in a nutshell how it came to be, that's, that's where it came from um, kind of a, a shortened Reader's Digest version, who remembers Reader's Digest? hands up, thank you um, and then the basic history of it, plus the starters were Bill and Milt Larson, Bill Jr. and Milt Larson, um, back in 1963, we just celebrated our 55th anniversary. Who can be a member? Well, there's different kinds of memberships for the Magic Castle. Um, there are, if I'm, gonna, if I'm counting off the top of my head, um, three different ways to be a magician, um, or to be a, um. Uh, to be a, a member of the Magic Castle. First of all, you can be an associate. Now, an associate member is anyone over 21. This is a, a, an adults-only club, uh, 21 years of age, who is a fan of magic, loves the art, uh, wants to enjoy the benefits of just being part of the Magic Castle. Um, some of them are entertainers themselves, but there's quite a few who are just um, just people who love magic. Uh, there are, uh, for you don't have to be a magician to join as an associate, and there are magic classes you can take if you want to become a magician. Okay, so the first kind is an associate. The second kind of member you can be is a magician member. Um, you have to audition. You have to show that you have a certain level of skill Um to be, uh, to be a magician member of the Magic Castle. It's a very special uh, honor to just be a member. Uh, you can be a, a resident member, someone who lives in the surrounding area of L.A. or Hollywood, or if you live out of state, there are non-resident magician um, memberships as well. Uh, the process is, is kind of the same. Uh, you can also be a global magician member, uh, it takes a special form. It's for um, it's people outside North America, basically. Uh, limited benefits, but it's also a lot more affordable than than uh, the other memberships themselves. So, if you love magic, you can be a member. If you are a magician, you can audition to be a special kind of member. And depending on where you live, you can be non-resident or global. Uh, those are the basic kinds of memberships. Um, there's more information at the website magiccastle.com on how to, uh, how to apply, how to become a member. Um, not just anyone can join. There is a, a screening process because they are absolutely adamant about uh, the art itself and the health and growth of said art. Uh, question, how can the public go in to see a show? They can't. It is a very exclusive club. The way that a public member can go in to see a show is to be invited in as the guest of a member. Uh, in general, the uh, the members are, are fairly discerning about who they would like to come in. We have a very certain... We are not a... Uh, we are not a uh, uh, disco. We are not a, a, a rowdy kind of a club. There's a certain amount of... Of dignity and a certain amount of history built into that building, and we want people, we want our guests that come, to have the proper kind of respect and and uh, admiration for the art itself, uh, to come in. So you can get in um, as a uh, as the guest of a member, but the public itself uh, cannot just walk up and uh, and get in. Uh, backing up a step, I am a I'm a performing member. I'm a magician member, and I'm uh, uh, fortunate enough to say that I'm hired by the castle itself uh, to perform at different functions, and for different uh, different reasons, different weeks and things like that. Um, my main stomping ground is the close-up gallery. I am a close-up magician by trade, but I also work the parlor and the bar areas on occasion uh, when I'm hired. Um all three very different, uh, venues. Close up is one thing. Parlor is a, a, bigger performance area without being grand illusion. And of course, bar magic is where I cut my teeth, uh, doing, uh, working behind a bar, um, in, in, uh, hand in hand, uh, working alongside of bartenders who are serving, uh, adult beverages. And meanwhile, I'm entertaining and providing a show right behind the bar. Um, Describe how a magician gets invited in. Well, he applies. Um, he sends in a video of his performance. He writes an essay. He or she, I'm sorry, I am completely, whew, I walked off the edge on that one. My apologies. Uh, it's, it's a mindset, and it's just something I have to get over. Uh, the magician, he or she, sends in a video recording of themselves performing. Um, they are judged on the merit of that. They are invited to come and audition live for a group of people. And then they are either voted yes or no. And if they are voted no, they go and they are allowed to uh, rehearse and polish and try again. That's how you get invited in. My story slightly different. And I, I know I, I tell this story in the book. Uh, Across the Table by Hannibal. Now available on Amazon, thank you. Um, Mine was slightly different. I applied, and I went for years without being invited for an audition. I sent in, uh, about once every six months or so, I would send in a video, starting off with old-fashioned VHS tapes, boys and girls, that's right, and advancing into DVDs and, and... Digital downloads and everything else And I got a stack of rejection letters From several different Entertainment directors of the Magic Castle Thank you for applying We are not interested at this time Please keep practicing, etc, etc And uh, meanwhile I'm a working magician supporting a family of six So What's exactly wrong with me, you know Apparently my style does not Translate well uh, To video So be it One evening Uh, well, one week I was working in San Diego at a trade show for a company and some friends, friends of friends, invited me to drive from San Diego up to Los Angeles after I was done working uh, and visit the Magic Castle. And so we did. We put on our, our dress code approved clothes and we went to the castle and watched several shows and had just a dynamite time. It was breathtaking. The very first time walking in, was was the feeling of history and art uh, washing over you. And I want to tell you, eight and a half some odd years later, I still get that feeling. I still get it. I still get that wave when I walk in the front door. So we went to see a few shows. We are standing in line <clears throat> to see the Grand Palace show. And uh, I, I saw the entertainment director uh, that I knew walk by. And uh, me being the impulsive lad that I am, uh, jumped out of line. This is May 2010, by the way. Uh, pursued him down the hall and stopped him and introduced myself and mentioned that I had gotten several rejection letters from him. And the gentleman in question, I'm not giving all the details, you can read the book for that. Gentleman in question uh, pulled out a rejection letter from his pocket that basically said, thank you for your interest, this is not how we do things, please submit a video, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Very nice about it, though. Very, very nice about it. So I shrugged my shoulders and realized, okay, it was worth a try, but I was a faux pas. It was a mistake. Later on that evening, we were down in uh, what is now known as the Cellar Theater, which was originally the the main auditorium for the Magic Castle, and we're watching uh, a young man doing card tricks. And all of a sudden, the entertainment director was there at my elbow, Watching the show, and he kind of nudged me and said, what do you think? And I gave him my opinion about the young man, and he was competent, and he was funny. Uh, a little nervous, but that's something that would he get over in time. And the entertainment director looked at me and said, well, you're next. Uh, I want you to do a set right here and uh, impress me. And I said, okay. I have nothing on me. I don't even have a deck of cards or a coin in my pocket. But I'll find a way. And when the, the, uh, the guy who was on stage at the time came off, I, I asked him to borrow his deck. I promised I would return it in good condition. And uh, I just needed it to, to do a show. So I sat down with my borrowed deck of cards. And I invited people up. And uh, in this very intimate, very dark room, I entertained 40, 50, 60 people. All packed in coming down from the bar because they heard laughter happening and I did a little show and I made people laugh and, and I made people entertained and I, and I mystified them and I fooled them and I just basically had a good time and I, and I let them have it with me I didn't feel like I was auditioning when I got behind the table when I got into my place on that stage, I did the job. I let my hands do their work. I let my words come out, and I listened to my audience, and I invited my audience and, uh, to, to help out and to be a part of the show, and, and warmly they did. And I did about eight or ten minutes, and I figured that was about my welcome uh, I gave the cards back to the young gentleman that had loaned them to me and thanked him and walked up the aisle. Uh, the entertainment director met me, shook my hand, said thank you, and said we'll be in touch, and left. And I kind of let it go. I thought, well, all right. I I could say at this point that I performed at the Magic Castle, but I really didn't, because it was an audition. Sort of. When I got back to Charlotte a week or so later there was a phone call and the entertainment director asked me about dates that I could come and work. We set up a date in early December of 2010 and I went and I worked my very first week at the close-up gallery at the world-famous Magic Castle. That was basically my audition. There's more detail in the book. The very first night that I sat in the close-up gallery and thought about the giants that had worked that room before, the people that built my industry, the people that created a lot of the, uh, a lot of the sleight of hand and a lot of the, the things that I utilized had worked this very room. People I admired. I never expected to get there. It wasn't really, at the beginning, it wasn't even one of my uh, goals for this job. But I sat there in the empty close-up gallery before my first show, trying to shake my nerves, trying to, to breathe and to, to relax and get into the thing. And the entertainment director walked in, just kind of opened the door, came in, sat down right across from me. How do you feel? I told him how I felt. And he said, I want you to remember something while you're performing tonight. There's something you should know. He said, do you know when you got this job? and i said it was in may he said yeah yeah but do you know when you got the job i said no i guess at the end of my uh, at the end of my audition at the end of the performance and he kind of shook his head and laughed a little bit and said no no i said you're all next and you said okay and you didn't hesitate and you didn't look around and you didn't make an excuse you said okay And you even had to go and borrow a deck of cards from somebody. But you didn't say, I got to borrow a deck of cards from somebody. You said, okay. And I looked at you and I thought, you've got the confidence that makes this work. You have the faith in yourself that tells me that you can handle this. And then you simply went up and you blew the room away. But you had the job the moment you said, okay. Do the job. Put your hands to work. Find out what it is that you do best. Find out where your heart is. Find out where the centerpiece of your puzzle is and build around that. I've still got so many hard lessons to learn. I'm 53. I, uh, I've i been through a lot. I've been through hell. I've been through heaven. I've been through the best and worst And maybe I haven't seen the best and maybe I haven't seen the worst yet because I'm still learning. But when the time comes, you say, okay, you say to yourself, ready or not, here I come. And you go out and you blow them away and you put your fear aside and you, you walk through your hesitation and you, and you push your nerves down. And you rely on the faith you have in yourself, because it's mighty if you utilize it right. So now I am a featured performer at the world-famous Magic Castle in Hollywood, California. And I never expected to be here. I never really pointed myself in this direction back when in my formative years. No, I I worked to put food on the table. I went out on the street. I stood on a sidewalk in the heat and the ice and the rain and the and the unexpected punches to the face that happened a couple of times. And I worked it. And I worked it. And I worked it and I molded it and I made it mine. So when the time came, I could say, okay, I'm ready to go. It wasn't planned. I didn't know the moment was coming. I never expected to get that kind of an audition or that kind of an opportunity. But when the time came, I was ready. And I stepped up and I said, okay. I can admire myself for that. I can pat myself on the back and say, good job. And that's okay. I can, I can truthfully look at what's important to me and I have children. I, I have four children that I'm very proud of. And they, are, they were raised to be good adults. And they are out making their own way and making their own art. And believing the things they believe in. And I'm, I'm super proud of all of them. And they will always be center of my life. They will always be important to me. I will always love them and be proud of them. But you're going to ask me who I am and what I'm about... And what makes me, me, it's my feet on a stage, my hands filled with magic, my voice, the love I have for people, my kindness across a table, across the table, doing what I do because this is what I was made to be. I believe in that now. Oh, there'll be fallbacks Trust me, brothers and sisters, there will be fallbacks. But for the first time in a very long time, I really believe in who I am and what I have to offer. You have mightiness inside of yourself. You don't even have to know where the path is going or what it'll lead to. Do the work that's in your hand. Do the job that is in front of you. No matter... How humble you think it might be right now. It could be leading to the best of the best of the best. And I messed up. And I failed. And I stood and I tried again. And I got it right. I got it very right. There is love where I am, there is goodness. In my heart, there is kindness and there is love. There is talent in my hands. And I'm going to do my best to share it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of all of this. Like, subscribe, visit my Patreon page. Help support me in this endeavor if you have a a need to or a willingness to. I'm going to be doing this. And I'm going to keep doing it faithfully for as long as I can. More than anything else, I sincerely hope that there's love where you are.
1: Sitting on the corner, staring down this reading wall. Making funny faces at the people we don't meet Oh, whoa, oh, whoa Holding out of pockets for all the world to see Oh, whoa Singing our old songs, busking you and me Oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa. It's funny how they always seem to want to get away from you Throw a little money and say, hey man, now do just what you do You sing a little anthem and answer, hey man, I am Just a little more dough and I'll show you where I stand That's the plan, ain't life grand Raking in the quarters, nickels and the dimes of gold Breathing and dreaming and passing by the time of war, war, thinking of the past and what we live for, then war, where we're living now, our worries in the wind, war, war, war. It's funny how she always seems to want to get away from you. Cause your honey in the job, but when she's out, you're glue. Lord it's true. You put your axe up in the case and then your ease making his for the dough Then you bust it to the corner, get your buskin all in order for the show. On the road, here we go. The day a woo dream of records of go. Every time I play a woe, a Days turn into weeks, and weeks are into years a woe. We live for the fans and making music in the ears of woe.
0: I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for tonight. Bye.